I'm Kara, and welcome to the Purpose Driven Mom podcast. Here at A Purpose Driven Mom, I believe in parenting with intentionality, but remembering the grace that God gives us to make things new every single day. I know that mom life can be hard and stressful, and it sometimes feels out of control, but here at A Purpose Driven Mom, the goal is to help you create systems and routines to just feel less overwhelmed, more in control of your time, your parenting, your life, and have more joy in your home. Mom life is hard enough. Don't do it alone. Welcome to The Purpose Driven Mom Show. Welcome to episode 12 of the Purpose Driven Mom show. Today we're actually going to talk about a tough topic, so I do want to give any warnings. I'm going to talk about mental health today. I'm going to talk about anxiety, and there may be some things that could possibly trigger you if you've been struggling with your mental health. If that is an issue and you want to skip today's episode, that's totally okay with me. Take care of you. But I wanted you to know that I am going to talk about different ways you can cope as a mom living with anxiety, and I didn't want to trigger anybody without any sort of warning. So just so you know, that is our topic for today. Before we dive in, I want to thank the listener of the week for the review of the week. Remember, if you are the reviewer of the week, Email me at apurposedrivenmom at gmail.com. You will get access to my private office hours Wednesday mornings that I do only with my coaching clients where you and me get to talk via a walkie-talkie app called Voxer. We're going to go back and forth, talk about your goals. I can answer any questions, and you just get to bend my ear. Make sure you send me an email if that's you. And if you've not left a review, please head over to Apple Podcasts and do so. These are super important because they allow other moms to find us. The podcast is growing so fast. As of yesterday, I think we just hit 4,000 downloads in less than two months. It's been such an incredible journey. Thank you for everyone who shares, who tags me, who is um, telling their friends to listen. I appreciate it so much. And I know that hopefully that mom does as well. Our reviewer of the week is Arcane Lotus. She said, this is a great podcast for any season of life. I found Kara's blog last year. I was in the middle of a divorce and my life was feeling so off track and overwhelming. Routines and structure were a thing of the past and chaos was taking over. Going through her blog and following her tips and advice helped me get back on track and get some semblance of normalcy and started again. I was late to start listening to the podcast, but I binged every episode when I first started listening. This podcast has easily become my favorite. Whether you feel like your life is all put together or you're struggling with chaos, Carol will have tips and advice that can help work in any part of your life. Thank you so much. That made me so happy. I'm so thankful, not that you've struggled, but I'm thankful that it was able to be a little bit of a light in a dark time for you. I also want to talk to you about our sponsor today. The episode is going to actually be sponsored by my free three-day challenge, Master Your Time. This is going to kick off on August 12th. I'm doing a live Facebook party. If you've never been a part of my Facebook parties, you can just search Kara Harvey, Purpose Driven Mom. I come up every five minutes on August 12th, starting at 8.30 p.m. and going to 9.30 p.m. I'm going to give away a prize. I have tons of cool things like books and online courses that I'm going to just be giving away for joining. This is kicking off this free three-day challenge. You can find this challenge at facebook.com groups slash master your time 2019. I'll put all the links in the show notes for you as well. In this three-day challenge, I'm going to help you conquer the biggest reasons you feel like you can't manage your time, figure out where you can find more time, and going into this crazy back-to-school season, this challenge is going to help you get organized in a way that allows you to not be as overwhelmed. You can join it absolutely for free. You just go to the Facebook group, 
click request to join, let me know you heard about it on the podcast, and you're in. That's it. It's so easy. Invite your friends. Uh, At the end of that week, I'm very pumped because the 15-minute formula, my online course, is going to be coming out, and members of the group will be the first ones to not only get special bonuses, but discounts. So if you are interested in that, just know it's coming out soon. We've been testing it all summer, and the Master Your Time Challenge will kind of be your gearing up to seeing if something that could help you, but just gearing up for the school year. I'm gonna talk a lot about back to school routines in the next couple weeks. You might have already started school. I was talking to someone in the Purpose Driven Mom Club and they said that their school has already started I also have a lot of friends who are homeschooling and they've chosen to start as well because maybe they ended in May. But we're going to talk about different back to school routines in this challenge to just help you as you're going into this crazy season. I feel like September can often feel like this new year for moms. It's, you know, January is exciting, but September, I don't know, there's something even more exciting for me about January. Because in September, I'm kind of like coming off my Christmas food coma. I don't feel well. Uh, I'm not like as motivated right away. It takes me a little bit to gear up, but by the end of summer, I'm ready. I am so ready for new routines. Uh, and hopefully this challenge helps you. So again, facebook.com slash groups slash master your time 2019. Okay, full disclaimer before I start, I am actually recording during the day. My kids are going to camp for three weeks from nine to 12. Uh, my oldest, he's 12. He's home right now in the other room watching TV. But I just noticed there's all these background noises uh, because there's cars driving. I normally record my episodes at night after my kids go to bed. So I record at like nine and 10 p.m. So there's no noises. There's really no cars out. Um, it's the only time that I had quiet. And now that the kids are at camp, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is a whole new world. <laughs> I can actually record during the day. So if you do hear cars in the background this microphone is actually really great it picks up everything though Uh, I apologize if the sound is a little too crazy when I listen to the recording I will go back to recording at night but I'm hoping to actually have work hours it's only for three weeks and then they go have two weeks off and then school starts again and and then we'll be back to a really cool schedule but um, I just want to say that if you hear in the background you're like what is that whooshing sound probably a garbage truck (laughs) okay I'm actually going to jump in today and talk about anxiety and mental health. This past week was really tough for me with my own anxiety, and I shared a lot about it on my Instagram. If we're not hanging, come hang out with me. I'm at a purpose of a mom on Instagram, but I, I get really open and raw and honest about my mental health struggles because for so long I hid them, and it was really damaging to my own healing, and I think it helps other moms. The responses I got in my DMs were kind of crazy. I felt really sad, but also happy because so many of you were able to connect with it. I was sad that there were so many of you that needed to connect with my message, but um, I think that anxiety is something that we don't talk about. And I wonder why sometimes. I think, well, why are we not talking about mental health issues? They're so prevalent. And so much of it, especially in the mom culture, I'm going to gear this conversation to talking about anxiety as a mom and how you deal with that, but there's a lot if you're not a mom. I know we have some non-moms that listen. You'll be able to gleam, hopefully, insight as well. We don't talk about it because it feels shameful. For me, my anxiety is very personal, and interestingly enough, my anxiety was triggered this week by shame. I uh, had to be very vulnerable this week. I spoke at my church uh, in front of about 100 women, and I shared part of my testimony and things that I haven't talked about in a while. And for me, part of my testimony is 
things that I find shameful, behaviors um, that I was exhibiting, ways that I was acting. And whenever I get to bring it up, it does cause me to feel vulnerable. Well, not only this week did I have that, then the next day I was the doctor. And so the doctor can be a very vulnerable time. I'm having some hormonal issues and other things going wrong with me. And when I was in the conversation with my doctor, he it's a new doctor. I've never met this guy. So this is why it's so interesting to me. I'd never met him, our only 10 minutes together. And he was listening to me talk, and I was just talking about a couple couple hormonal symptoms and things I was having. And he stopped, and he was like, hmm, I'm actually more interested in the way your anxiety is playing out in all of this. Because I just mentioned that I had postpartum anxiety, and sometimes I feel anxious. And I was like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, you're like, your anxiety seems pretty heavy right now. And having someone who I didn't know see from the outside that I was an anxious person and struggling gave me some light bulbs. Of course, then made me feel more vulnerable, and then I got in my own head and got more anxious about it. Then on top of that, this week, I had moments where I messed up. I dropped the ball on some things in my business. I forgot to do a couple things for friends, and it made me feel vulnerable. All that vulnerability for me led to me feeling shame, which led to me feeling anxiety. That's kind of how it works, and I'm actually going to talk today about how I've learned to break that down. I'm going to interweave this episode with my story um, and tips, just so you know. So it's definitely the most personal um, podcast episode that I've aired so far, Um, but I think it's very important. One, if you're getting to know me, maybe this is the first episode you're hearing from me. Maybe, you know, we've been hanging out for a while and you're like, oh, I didn't know these things. But I think it's important to get some context of what anxiety looks like for me because it looks different for everyone else. I think the other reason we don't talk about anxiety, especially in the mom culture, is the stigma and the mom guilt. So two things I want to talk about. First is the stigma. I feared talking about my anxiety when I was struggling uh, after I had my kids because I did not want to be judged. I thought people were going to think I was a bad mom. When you hear about moms who have postpartum anxiety and depression, it's on like a sliding scale of severity. And I thought people are going to think that I can't handle it. They're going to think I don't know what I'm doing. They're going to judge me and my parenting. If they see me out with my kids in public, you know, and my kids have a tantrum, it's because I have anxiety and I'm a bad mom. Like all these things that ran in my head. And I think we don't talk about anxiety because mental health is looked at um, through this weird lens. Lately in our culture, though, thankfully, the conversations are becoming more open. But for a while, you know, you felt like you had to hide it. You know, I didn't want my friends to look at me a certain way and judge me. So I didn't share when I was dealing with postpartum anxiety. I didn't share it with a lot of my friends. Um, And that can be really hard. And then the mom guilt. Oh, man. We live in this social media culture that makes you feel guilty if you are not like Pinterest perfect and have it all together. We all mom very differently. And that is okay. When we don't talk about mental health and anxiety, um, because of mom guilt, it makes us feel more guilty maybe. I don't know. My anxiety gets worse when I start to think about um, the way other moms are momming versus how I do it. And I don't share it sometimes because I feel, again, just complete judgment. But we need to talk about mental health. It is so important. We need to encourage our sisters that we are not alone One of the things that can feel so isolating for someone who has anxiety is feeling like you're alone. When I'm struggling, I will say to my husband, like, I feel crazy. Like, why can't I just be normal? And I remember those phrases, like, coming out of my mouth multiple times. And he would 
say to me, like, there is no normal. Like, nobody is normal. But because we live in this social media culture where you see everyone's Instagram highlight reels and, you know, a lot of people aren't sharing the things that are wrong with them, you think everyone else has it together. But when you get to share your story and your moments, you tell other moms, like, they're not alone. It allows us to turn our mess into our message. This is the one thing that people will say, like, I can't believe you share so much. And that is one thing God has put on my heart. I went through these trials. I've been through these valleys so that I hopefully can empower another mom to know they're not alone and to give them tools and resources to get through the tough parts. I want to tell you um, a little bit about my story, but I have a couple caveats that I just kind of want to throw out as well. A couple caveats I want to throw before I jump into my story. When people use blanket terms for mental health issues when they're dealing with tiny life stresses, it drives me kind of crazy. I am someone who has an anxiety disorder. Uh, And when people say like they have anxiety and they mean it like they struggle with an anxiety disorder, but they're really just like a little stressed or they are feeling anxious, it makes me nuts because it devalues what someone who is struggling with it on like a day-to-day basis has. So you can say things like, I am anxious. This is causing me to have some anxiety. Like those are fine, but when you are just like, well, I have anxiety, when really like you're just a little stressed out, Watch your language on that. It's the same thing when people say, like, they're depressed because something sad happens. Like, your sports team lost, and you're like, I'm so depressed. (laughs) Or, like, I'm going through a depression. Like, watch your language when you're using those types of words. Like, I feel sad is an okay feeling. Um, But when you take something like depression that is so debilitating that people are struggling with every day, and you devalue it because something went wrong and you got a flat tire or whatever it is, Um, you know, it can sting and trigger somebody else. So just start to be aware of those types of things. That just is one thing that just drives me crazy um, about that. The other thing is it's okay to talk about our mental health issues, and I think we should. But I need you to look at your circle. Sometimes the people you're around and sharing things with, they build you up or they break you down or they just make it worse. So if you're sitting with people and you're talking about your mental health issues and you're finding that it's turning into a complaint fest and every time you leave this circle of girlfriends that you have coffee with, you're just complaining, complaining, complaining and you feel worse, well then maybe they're not the people you share every single detail with. You also might find that in your circle it turns into a culture of like having to one-up someone. This is very prevalent in mom culture oh, I'm so tired, and someone else is like, oh, oh my gosh, yes, and my kid got up at four. Well, my kid got up at three. Well, I'm the most tired because it makes us feel like we're more worthy or whatever reason we're doing it. This can happen a lot if you're talking about mental health with the wrong circle of people when you're saying, you know, I was feeling some anxiety about X, Y, Z. People do a few things. One is they'll one-up you. And if you find that you're around a group or a person that's like trying to one-up you, maybe then you cut that group up. Maybe that's not the person you want to spend time with. But the other thing they can do is dismiss it. This is what happened to me with, unfortunately, some family members, some friends, and my doctors. Oh, I'm struggling with X, Y, Z. Oh, you're just tired. Oh, it's just the baby blues. Oh, I know, me too. You ever have that where you're just like, how are you? And you actually tell someone how you honestly are and they dismiss it and then start talking about themselves. I try so hard not to do this because it drives me crazy. I mean, I know I still do. I'm human. It's just like naturally we want to talk about ourselves. Um, But if you find yourself around like a person who when you leave the conversation, you're like, wait a minute, you just asked me how I was, but then you just talked about everything you're doing and didn't listen to a word I was going to say or didn't ever circle back. 
um, maybe you just start to talk to them less and less because they aren't the person to share your struggles with. Uh, because honestly, maybe this is harsh, but like a lot of people don't care. <laughs> they don't care about what's going on with anyone but them in their situation. And it's sad. So find the people that will care. Find the people that do want to listen. Because often we don't share when we're struggling with mental health issues. We don't share with people because we don't want to bother them. But it's important we find the right people to share with. You don't want to keep it in. You don't want to hold it in. And especially if you're having thoughts that are about harming yourself or harming your children or harming someone else, one, you need to get professional help, please. Like there's nothing wrong with that. And you need to find someone to talk to. Don't feel like you have to hold it alone. Don't feel like you have to struggle silently. I'm going to talk about how I struggled silently throughout my life and the effects that it had. But I just want to say that if you're sitting here listening today and you connect with anything I tell in my story or any of the tips that I'm going to give um, or anything I say does trigger you, one, you can always reach out to me. But reach out to a mental health professional. Reach out to your doctor. Reach out to a family member or a friend. You don't have to be alone struggling with anything with your mental health. And, And I know that I was saying about using the language appropriately. Don't also feel like, oh, I don't have... I'm not diagnosed with depression, so I'm not allowed to talk about my mental health. That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, But, you know, try to get some language and words about how you're feeling, and I think it will also help you identify what's going on because you may be undiagnosed. I was struggling with postpartum anxiety, and that was diagnosed by my therapist. And then one day we were talking, and I was telling her about this negative thought pattern I was getting in, and she was like, oh, that's just the depression talking. And I was like, what? Like, we never, I'm so black and white. Like, I'm so type A. I was like, we never diagnosed postpartum depression. I don't have a pamphlet for that. (laughs) Like, I was like, you never told me about this. Um, And she was like, oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't say it, but, like, clearly that's part of what's happening here. And I was like, clearly to no one. I need, like, I need it black and white. You know, like, that's just how I am. So um, it helps to have conversations with the right people because they can help you process through. I want to share a little bit about my story and my history of mental health, and then I'm going to talk about some ways that I've learned to help cope and manage it. I've struggled with my mental health since I was probably 12 years old, so it's been a long journey for me. So if you're new into struggling with this, I know a lot of moms after they have kids, our hormones are kind of a mess and maybe you've never dealt with it or maybe you've never taken the time to deal with it as a kid. Um, It can be a long process and journey. When I was a teenager, yeah, I'd say like 11, 12, 5th, 6th grade is when I started to have negative thoughts and struggle with some anxiety and feelings of depression. Uh, My depression was never actually diagnosed until my doctor mentioned the postpartum depression, but now I can look back and know that um, that's what I was struggling with. It manifested in a way that I felt worthless. I struggled much of my life to find where I belonged. A lot of this, I believe, was due to the fact that um, I was not a believer. I was not saved, um, you know, and believed in Jesus Christ until I was 30 years old. And so I didn't have a firm foundation for anything. And it, it caused me to feel lost. It caused me to feel hopeless and it caused me to feel worthless. Because of this, I tried to seek my worth in other people. I did anything I could as a teenager to feel like I belonged. And Again, all teenagers deal with this. So imagine like dealing with normal teenage issues, but then adding in struggling with feelings of anxiety, feelings of depression. It led me down a path of excessive drinking. So I decided that if I, I decided I wanted to be known as the party girl because I wasn't like super smart or creative or anything. And I didn't feel like I stood out. 
all I wanted was attention, honestly. Like, if I look back, I just wanted attention. I mean, my parents, I'm not faulting my parents. <laughs> they did the best they could. But um, I just struggled with feeling unloved. That was inside me. That wasn't on them. Like, that was honestly, like, looking back, like, I had not accepted Jesus as my Savior. And I had a hole. And I was trying to fill it. And I blamed my parents. I blamed my friends. I blamed society. I blamed anything I could. But that's really what it was for me. But instead... I didn't turn to Christ because I didn't have that as an option. I didn't know that that was an option. Um, I didn't really have too many friends like talking about it with me. And so I turned to alcohol. I wound up drinking a lot from the time I was 16 to 26. I pretty much drank and ate my way into obesity and into mental health issues. I saw after like the first time I got drunk at like 14 that if I was drinking and I went to a party, people like liked me or they thought I was cool. I don't know. Maybe they didn't think I was cool at all. But in my head, it made them like me more. So I took on this party girl persona, which made my anxiety worse. Um, anxiety looks different for every single person. So when I share my experience, it's just to give you some context. I sometimes deal with like anxious episodes. Now, as a kid, it looked more like um, manic behaviors and depression. That's how my anxiety looked. As an adult, my anxiety actually comes out angry, and it looks more like anger. And so I'll talk um, about the differences there. But as a kid, I, I just started to become super manic and obsessed with getting to have more attention. And like I said, it was a lot of drinking, very reckless behavior. I was incredibly promiscuous. I tried to find my meaning in boys I thought they would pay attention to me I thought listen as long as they're talking about me I don't care what they're saying um which led me down a path of this negative thought cycle of how unworthy I was and what a loser I was and no one will ever really love you uh which then led me to wanting to end my own life and there were two times that I distinctly remember um when I was one when I was a teenager trying to plan how I could um commit suicide and the other, when I was in college, I remember after a night of drinking, I was sitting in my sorority house with a knife in the bathroom. And I don't even know if I ever have even told this story to any of my sorority sisters. Um, but I was sitting there thinking, just do it. And then I remember berating myself, like, you're such a loser. You can't even do this right. Uh, and this was what it was like in my head for 15 <laughs> plus years of my life. Uh, I had very low self-worth and I just thought I was a loser. And so into my 20s, things started to change for me. Um, I started to ignore my issues though. I did start to dabble in therapy a little bit. Um, I buried myself in work, but I also, towards my late 20s, started burying myself in personal growth and development, which was the biggest game changer for my mental health. I became really self-aware because I was doing things like listening to podcasts and reading books. And um, it was when I got into Beachbody and one of the pillars of working in Beachbody is personal growth and development. And I'm so thankful for Beachbody, even though, you know, I coach and dabble here or there. I'm so thankful because it, it probably saved my life. It changed my life completely because it allowed me to have others around me that believed in me before I was ready to believe in myself. And sometimes that's all we need, right? Other people who are saying, good job, you can do it. Like I remember the first time I was in um, a group, a Facebook challenge group they were called, and I had one like most motivating member voted by the other members. And I wanted to just burst into tears because it gave me worth. Now, 
The problem was I was still trying to find my worth in other things. So it wasn't until my 30s, I'm 35 right now, but it wasn't until my 30s when I accepted Christ as my savior that things really changed for me. I began seeing where my worth was, where my value was, and my anxiety started to lessen. And then um, after I had my daughter, I remember feeling just off. My motivation was different. I was off. I was tired. I went to my doctor and they just were like, this is baby blues. It is what it is. Like, you'll be fine. So I thought this is what it feels like to be a new mom. Fast forward two years, I had my son. I knew this was different and I was going to advocate for myself. I was finding myself very negative. I was crying all the time. The littlest thing would set me off. My entire house was just like walking on eggshells around me um, because anything could make me upset. I remember my daughter's second birthday and I was icing the cupcakes standing there with my mom and uh, they weren't icing. It was like the littlest problem, but the icing wasn't coming off the knife and I melted down um, and just started crying. And I remember being so angry during this time because, I, you know, I was a new Christian and I thought, God, what am I doing wrong? Lord, I'm trying so hard. I'm doing all the things you're asking of me, but I'm still not enough to be normal. This is what I thought in my head, right? I'm still not enough to be normal. I can't keep it together. I feel crazy. What is wrong with me? My thoughts um, were racing and, and I just knew I needed help. And I said to my husband, like, I needed to make a change. And that's when I started therapy. Um, and that really helped. I've actually taken a, about a six month to a year break now. It's been almost a year actually. Um, because honest truth, when my husband was out of work, we were on state government insurance and government insurance is really good. Uh, we didn't have to pay for, um, therapy. And now that he's working and we're on different insurance, it's a little out of our budget. But now that our budgets are back together, I'm going to start budgeting for therapy again, because I'm noticing now that our, my anxiety has gotten worse. Interestingly, uh, I breastfed my son for 19 months and a couple months ago, he'll be two in September. So, you know, that was like three or four months ago. Since then, my hormones have been crazy. <laughs> um, I noticed I was having hormonal issues with my birth control. My doctor said to me, like, this is all birth control. But it's also because I've either been pregnant or breastfeeding for the past five years. And I had stopped breastfeeding and my body went crazy and my anxiety got worse. And so the past couple months, my anxiety has been very high. Uh, and I am struggling with not just having anxiety attacks, but anxious, feeling anxious all the time. And I wanted to share this conversation I had with my husband. I was telling him the other day that my anxiety was getting better because I wasn't having full-on anxiety attacks. When I have an anxiety attack, it looks different, again, for everyone. For me, it's just this feeling of absolute overwhelm all over my body. So it's in my mind. It trigger is triggered a lot of times by feeling, by when I make a mistake, because it then leads me down this negative thought spiral of all the things I'm doing wrong. I then get in my own head and I feel worthless. And when that happens for me, I'm, my, my senses are so overwhelmed, I don't know what to do and it turns into anxiety. I, um, and not often like I can't catch my breath, but what it does look like for me in action, um, and this is like, so I feel a little like vulnerable sharing this, so I'm sure I'm gonna have to do some work to like calm the anxiety of, of sharing this episode. Um, Sorry, I feel like I'm going to cry. It makes me feel like a bad mom. Like, I don't want people to judge me. Um, but it, it, I snap at my kids and I yell at them. And everyone's like, yeah, you yell at your kids. But it just, it makes me feel bad because I know that it's part of my mental health. And so um, I will, like, just need a moment. I often will snap at them and yell. 
And then physically, my skin feels like it's crawling. Like I cannot be touched. Uh, I start scratching at my arms. And this is like when I'm having like a full-on anxiety attack. So I'm like scratching at my arms. Um, my kids, unfortunately, think it's like a game. Because I'm like, and I'll say like, I just need a minute. But like I scream, like I just need a minute. And I try my best to get in the other room. But if but they often follow me. They know how to open the gates. Um, and they'll start like climbing on me. Um, because what I will do is I crawl into a ball and I just breathe. I have some phrases I'll share with you in a second that I say to calm myself down. Um, and I just need time to like catch my breath and they think it's a game and that makes it worse because then they're climbing on me and like my skin literally just, it, it crawling is the only way I can describe it. And they're touching me and grabbing at me and it makes it worse. And I, um, and then I can come down. So I have this, this happens to me like two times a month maybe once a month and I thought it was getting better until my husband was like that's actually like a lot <laughs> and I, I didn't think it was but I was telling him about the conversation I had with my doctor and he was like you know I don't want to make you feel bad but I you are anxious all the time like it, it it's not typical like you don't have to feel like this like the way that I constantly run through the same to-do list over and over again the way that I get negative on myself if I make a mistake um and the fears that I constantly am replaying through my head of things going wrong or worries uh, I just thought that was my personality, to be honest. And hearing from him, like, it's part of your personality, but a lot of it is not you. I mean, I guess it should make me feel better. Like, I'm not, it's just not my personality's flawed. Like, it's it's probably something I should go and perhaps get medication for. And I'll talk about medication in a minute, but like, I, that I need to cope with better. So this conversation just lit a light bulb in me lately about uh, how my anxiety looks in the day-to-day. Because I've lived in an anxious state more than half my life this is my norm and so if you're someone who struggles with anxiety like this might be your norm too um like the constant replaying of bad things happening uh to your family in your head like I constantly am imagining like a car accident or something uh and that that's my norm but that's my anxiety it's my anxiety trying to win and uh, I've learned to cope very well, but there are there is so much room <laughs> with where I can cope. I'm learning recently because, like I said, in the past three months, it's gotten worse, and I'm ready to get like some more help. Which is kind of the the therapeutic talking about it right now is helping me realize like now it's time. So I want to talk to you about a couple ways that I cope and a couple things you can do to cope as well if you're struggling. Here are some things you can do preemptively. We're gonna talk about like how you can cope before your anxiety starts what you can do in the middle and what you can do after to just make your mental health in like a better spot. First up, you need to know your triggers. Things that trigger me are making mistakes and clutter. I know it sounds really silly, but once you can pinpoint what makes you anxious, you can preemptively help that. So I work on I'll talk in a second about how I work on what I do when I make a mistake, but the clutter thing. I don't what it is, if I really break it down, and this is one of the things I'll, I'll talk to you about the, at the end, like I really break down like what the trigger is and how it starts and where I can make it better. So if my trigger is clutter, a mess, when my house is a mess, it triggers my anxiety, which then turns me into yelling. It turns me into needing like minutes or perhaps a full-blown anxiety attack. This triggers me because it makes me feel less than. I've done all this work, so I can tell you this is where it comes from. If the house is a mess, and I'm not coping, I'm feeling overwhelmed. When my senses are overwhelmed, um, I get angry. Sometimes I even like throw, will throw something, like I'm angry. And it's not that I'm angry with my family, it's not that I'm angry with the mess. I'm angry because it makes me feel like I'm failing. I'm not good enough. 
I'm not worthy. I can't even keep my house clean. What is wrong with me? Okay, so that's how my cycle, um, when I start to spiral, that's what it sounds like in my head. Uh, and so I know that, which is why I try to keep my house decluttered, which is why I try to throw things away as much as possible, which is why I keep a good cleaning routine. Routines help anxiety a lot. So if you are struggling and you don't have any good routines for your home, start there because predictability will keep anxiety at bay as much as possible. Um, the other thing I know is that if I make a mistake, I get anxious and upset with myself. So because of this, I work on some affirmations. I practice them when I'm not in an anxious state. Things I can say to myself, like, you are worthy and loved. Um, I also have some quotes, or for me, uh, I take a verse, Joshua 1, 9, and I kind of paraphrase it, and I just um, will say it to myself. I am strong and courageous. My God is with me. And I've just learned it. I've memorized it. So that when I'm in a moment of anxiety, I just repeat it over and over again. So come up with affirmations, come up with um, quotes. I have a freebie for you on the show notes today. Uh, it's over at a purposedrivenmom.com slash podcast 12. It's a set of cards. You can print them out on cardstock or regular paper, make them the background of your phone. And they have scripture that will help you if you're feeling anxious. You can start memorizing them, keeping them in your car, wherever you know you need them. Because if, for me, it centers me because it's my connection back with God telling me like, you're okay, this is the enemy trying to win and you're made for more. I also really recommend therapy. <laughs> like I have mentioned a few times, I need to talk, get, take my own advice and get back at it. But therapy helps a lot. Um, and I would mentioned looking at your circles preemptively. This is something you can do. Again, if you're finding people are triggering your anxiety, situations trigger your anxiety. Uh, I get triggered by like the unknown sometimes. So I always will look up like what the parking situation is before I get a place. Because if I go there and I learn I have to parallel park and I'm not mentally prepared to parallel park, it can make me anxious, right? So looking at your surroundings, looking at your circles. I also really recommend just having positive mindset work, books, podcasts, um, maybe getting in community membership groups, finding other people you can talk to about it. The more you work on your positive mindset before you have an issue, the more you'll be able to tap into it when you're having any issues with your mental health. You also need to have open conversations with your family. So I have conversations with my husband about my needs very frequently, it's probably like too frequently, but I am saying like, this will help me. This triggers my anxiety. This is what I need. And I talk to my kids. It's been hardest talking to my children because I don't have the words to say it, but I say the word anxiety. I tell them how I'm feeling. I'll tell them what makes um, mommy feel a little bit nervous and what could make mommy yell and how we can help that situation. Do those things beforehand so your family knows. You also can think about things like medication and natural ways to balance. Honestly, I've stayed away from medication probably longer than I should have. I try to do things on my own. I've thought, and I'm just going to be super honest with you. For in my head, I was like, if I have to go on medication for this, people are going to judge me because I'm like a Christian and God should take care of me. But like, that's not how it works. Maybe sometimes, you know, we pray for the solution and maybe it comes in the form of medication. Maybe God is saying, this is the solution. This is a tool I have for you. I'm giving it to you, but you're not taking it. You're still trying to do it on your own. And um, it's something to think about. There's nothing wrong with it, and we need to destigmatize it. I am trying natural things first. Um, I was looking into CBD oil. I don't know if that's something I'm going to do. I've been just got some essential oils to help with my anxiety. Um, those things can preemptively help. If you're in the middle of having anxious moments or anxiety attacks, whether you have an anxiety disorder or you're, like, you're just struggling with it, these are three things I do that, that help me. First is I repeat my verse, like I had mentioned, Joshua 1.9. So if I'm um, 
starting to feel anxious and I'm feeling these feelings. Actually, the first thing I do is I try to remove myself from the room if possible because I know, because my manifest physically, I know that if my kids touch me, uh, it's going to get worse. My hands will cramp up and I won't, I won't be able to like do anything and like I'll just crawl into a ball in that room. I would rather do it in a separate space. One, I don't want to scare my kids, um, obviously, but two, just them being around like doesn't help. So I will try to get to a separate room. Even if it's just the next room, they're watching TV. I just like take a second to do that for me. Um, and I pray because I know that like God will help me through it. This is where I repeat my verse, my Joshua 1, 9, like I'm strong and courageous. My God is with me. I'm strong and courageous. I just say it over and over again. That calms my mind and my thinking. So repeating a verse or an affirmation calms your mind so that it gets off the anxiety and onto something else. After I repeat my verse, I then um, talk myself kind of down and I just say, um, I honestly just say this is not real because the verse helps me connect with God to remember who's got me and who's holding me right now. And then I just say this is not real because it brings me back down into a place where I can calm my breathing. So I just say this is not real. This is not real. This is not real. Uh, Once I have that space and I can calm my breathing, that's the hardest time for a person with anxiety. Um, You feel guilty. You feel shame if other people saw it, especially because this happens. I have to be very vulnerable. This happens often around my husband um, or my children. What do I do now, right? I have not had too many anxiety attacks in front of people that aren't my family, but what do you do? What do you do afterwards? You need to um, just remember, like, nothing's wrong with you. This is a way that your brain decided to react to a situation, Okay. You've come back, and now what do you do? This is like anything in life. What do you do now to make the difference? So um, do your best to limit your guilt and your shame. If you want to put on like some worship music, if you want to pray, like whatever you need to do, do it to take care of you. Try to analyze so that you can better work on your triggers. This is before you talk with someone else. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But I sit there and I think like what just happened and why. So this is the framework that I like to use because often – With anxiety, I cannot name my feelings. I don't know why I'm feeling how I'm feeling. I don't know what the feeling is. And it can be so frustrating because my husband will try to help. And he's like, what's what happened and what's going on? And I don't know. I don't know how I feel right now. And that makes me more anxious because I feel like an idiot because I can't name it. Um, So I try to take time. If you can't name it, it's okay. This is a work in progress, something I did in therapy and something I've continued to do on my own. So if you can't name your feelings, don't worry about it. But I like to take some time after by myself so that I can figure it out. And these are the three things I figure out. What triggered it? How did it manifest or look? And what um, I need now. So if, for example, what triggered my anxiety tech right now was that I um, looked at some emails that I missed that I realized I forgot to do something. It manifested because I started to yell at the kids because sometimes my anxiety attacks aren't super intense like the the main one I described. It could just be like it comes out angry. There's this, oh my gosh, such a good book. It's called Triggers. I can't remember. Amber, Leah, and Wendy, I want to say speak. And they talk, it's um, exchanging parents' angry responses with biblical reactions or something. I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. It's so good because it helped me see that a lot of the anger and the things that were happening, you know, like through my anxiety, like that's just how it looked and how it manifested. So sometimes that's just what it looks like. Um, What I need now is just to hear the words like, 
you're doing a great job. Or I just, sometimes for me, I need a hug. So there is something about the pressure and sensory. So um, when I was teaching special education, sometimes if you have a student with autism or sensory um, disorders, uh, if you hug tight, that's why sometimes like that restraint, like that's why they make these weighted blankets, right? That's sensory. It helps calm people down. Uh, if you've never used a weighted blanket, it's awesome. It really helps calm you down. So um, a lot of times I just say to my husband, like, I just need a really tight hug. Like, I don't need a loose hug. Like, really hold me tight because it helps calm my breathing, okay? So again, this is what triggered it. This is how it manifested. This is what I need now. And then I have the conversation with my family. This is when I would say, like, to my kids, like, hey, that was probably really scary. And... Uh, mommy wanted to talk about what happened and then I would have the conversation. This is the conversation I have with my husband um, and this is where you ask for help. If you can name what you need, please name it. If you know what it is, even if it sounds silly to you, um, something that could trigger my anxiety. My husband said to me, it's so personal, but he's like, I feel like it's me sometimes. And I was like, it's not you. But what happens is if he's home, then I feel like I'm on um, show. Like I feel like my parenting is being watched. It's not, it's all in my head. And then if I make a mistake, then I feel like a worse mom. So like, you know, being able to name things and asking for help and asking for what you need really helps. Um, so, and saying like, someone's like, I just need you to say like, you're not judging me. <laughs> like, I just need to hear that. I just need a hug. All of those things help. You do not have to struggle alone, whether you're struggling with anxiety, depression, um, or just having like negative feelings, no matter where, where you're at, like none of us are perfect. The highlight reels are boring because they make you feel terrible. Like unfollow any accounts that make you feel bad about yourself because it's not reality. You don't have to be alone. It can be better, okay? And and if it's not better, that's okay too. If you're having a hard day, that's okay as well. Um, if you feel like you're making progress and then you take some step back, that's okay too. So don't beat yourself up over it. Reach out to someone, go see a therapist, go talk to your doctor, go find a good circle. Um, and again, if you are having thoughts of harming yourself or harming someone else, please reach out for help. You are meant for amazing things. God has a plan for you. And if he's waking you up every single day, well, he's not done with you yet. He has a lot that he needs you to do. And you don't have to give up. And as someone who's been at that low, who's thought about ending and if life would just be easier if I wasn't here, I'm so thankful that he intervened even when I wasn't connected with him or saved or didn't know he was there, um, and whether he intervened with a person or something, whatever happened that made me change my mind, I'm thankful for. And if you're struggling, know that you're not the only mom struggling. You can always reach out to me, um, and I hope and pray that this episode uh, hit you in a place that you needed and allowed you to see that even when people, quote, look like they have it together, all of us struggle. Check in with your friends. Check in with people who do seem to have it together because often we're the ones hiding it because we are afraid that people will judge us for it. It's okay to have conversations about mental health. Um, and we can continue this conversation in my Facebook group and at the show notes at a purposedrivermom.com slash podcast 12. Leave a comment if you want, if you like this episode um, or if you just want to talk. You also can head over to that um, the show notes. I will have the scripture cards for you free. You can download them. They're yours to keep. And I hope and pray that they help you. Have an amazing rest of your day. And I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope that you were able to get some tips to just parent with more intentionality. 
Make sure you head over to Facebook and join our private Facebook community group. Just search A Purpose Driven Mom and it'll come up. You can also go to apurposedrivenmom.com slash podcast and you will have access to every single podcast, all the show notes, all the links, all the freebies and all the goodies that I have for you. Thank you again for being a part of the community and I would love and appreciate it if you head over and gave a five-star rating and review. It allows us to find other purpose-driven moms, have an impact on them, and I would love to feature you as the reviewer of the week. Thanks again, and have an amazing day.